0: Uh, get to the store today. And to the women, I'm going to say, lower your expectations. (laughs) All right? So, guys, if you'll scramble and get to the store today, you still have time, ladies. Lower your expectations. (laughs) You're going to be disappointed. (laughs) All right, there. Life advice. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Romans 8.8. And 19, we're going to read that this morning. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And here's what I want to focus in on. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Your King James will say, for the manifestations of the sons of God. Lord, I thank you for the scripture. God, I pray in these next few moments as we look into the scripture, God, that our eyes will be illuminated and our hearts will be open and our ears will be unstopped and we will see you and hear from you and accept you the way that you are. God, I pray uh, that the the scripture will act as a mirror to us and we will see ourselves the way we, we truly are, but it will also act as a reflector and we will see you for the way you truly are. God, I thank you for it. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. Amen. We're going to set that scripture aside for just a little bit. We've been talking about the kingdom of God, right? We've been going through the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5. We've been going through the teachings of Jesus. And, and I, I don't know why I feel like the need to do this, but I feel like I, I need to give a short little recap before each message that we have We've been talking about the kingdom of God that Jesus came to establish, and he talks about that in uh, Matthew, the fourth chapter. He says, the kingdom of heaven is here now. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he says to his disciples, follow after me. And then he begins to preach and teach the kingdom of God. We get all that in Matthew, the fourth chapter. And then in the fifth chapter, he goes up the mountain, goes up the mountain to uh, And I've said this, and I think I say this in every recap. Moses went up the mountain to hear from God. Jesus goes up the mountain as God to speak as God to the people about what the kingdom of God looks like. What does the kingdom of God look like? What does the kingdom of God look like? It looks like what Jesus lines out here, I believe, in Matthew, the fifth chapter. So we've gone through a lot of the the Beatitudes. And this week, we come to Matthew 5, verse 9. And it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. This is just another in the progression that Jesus is giving us. I believe that Jesus is... uh, very intentional in how he gives the Beatitudes. Last week was blessed are the pure in heart. And once you achieve that, and you know, on this side of heaven, we're never going to achieve uh, 100% purity, right? Some of us are at 10 karat gold. Some of us are at 14 carat. Some of us are working our way up. Maybe we'll get to 24 carat at some point. I don't even know is that the highest gold concentration that there is. I don't know. Some of us are gold-plated. Uh, some of us are gold-like. <laughs> some of us are spray-painted gold. We're, we're getting there in our purity. But from a pure heart comes peacemaking. So Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called the sons and daughters of God. So what is a peacemaker? <laughs> and and I, I, so I want to I focus on the question of what is a peacemaker, but I also want to Zero in on the fact that he did not say blessed are the peace keepers. He didn't say blessed are the peace keepers. Blessed are those who can maintain the status quo. Blessed are the peace keepers. No, what Jesus gives us, this instruction Jesus gives us here, isn't just maintaining something. It is aggressively seeking something. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Your parents ever tell you they're going to make you do something? Don't make me or don't make me come over there. Don't make me turn this car around. <laughs> blessed are the peacemakers. I love the scripture which it says, um, you shall know that Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. Sometimes we need to be made free. From ourselves, right? Blessed are the peacemakers. So we're just going to go into uh, what being a peacemaker is a little bit. Now, peacekeeping is part of being a peacemaker. Don't mishear me and don't misunderstand me. Being a peacemaker involves keeping peace often. But it is also seeking out and reconciling taking effort, making an effort to reconcile. Okay, peace. uh, I've got some things written down here. The ministry of peacemaking involves resolving conflict by making prompt apologies (laughs) and acts of restitution, refusing to seek revenge and humbly serving and loving one's enemies. That's what we're called to do. We're called to preserve peace and to keep it from being broken. That's a peacekeeper. That's, that's also what we're called to do, but we're not just called to be peacekeepers. We are called to recover peace when it is broken. And I already said that peacekeeping keeping is part of being a peacemaker, but it's not everything. We are to keep peace. The Apostle Paul tells us, um, with as much lies within us to keep peace with all men. We are called to keep peace. And I just want to make a quick side note here so that we're not confused. We do not ignore abuse and injustice just in the order to keep peace. This is a very extreme example um, that I'm going to give you. But you don't uh, ignore abuse just to keep the status quo, right? Right? You often hear about people in abusive relationships or or people who see their children being abused by their their husband or wife who, in order to keep peace, will let that go on. That is not what I'm talking about to you today. I'm not talking about letting injustices happen just so your life is peaceful. That's not what I'm talking about. So just so, we're, just so we're clear, because I'm going to say some things that might lead you to think that there are, there are times we have to overlook uh, things done to us in order to keep peace, right? I'm not talking about abuse, though, and I'm not talking about um, things like that. So just want to take that side note, because I know sometimes it might not be my intention to say that, but people who have been in those situations, that might be what they hear. So I want to address that, at least, that that is not what I'm saying. Do You do not suffer abuse and harm or let others suffer abuse and harm just to maintain the status quo. That is not what Jesus was talking about. That is not what I'm talking about. All right, that's just my little side note. Peacekeeping is our job, though. But being a quiche, a quiche maker, <laughs> blessed are the quiche makers, huh? Some ham and Swiss quiche. I don't know why y'all let me talk every week. (laughs) Why? (sighs) Being a peacemaker does not just keep the current peace. It seeks to make peace where there is not currently peace. That's what being a peacemaker is. A peacemaker goes to the injury, to the fracture, and brings reconciliation, restoration, and healing. And that, when we live our lives that way, when we go to where there is injury or uh, fracture and we bring peace there, then that is when we get to be called the sons and daughters of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? Because they will be called the sons and daughters of God. When we act like him and become reconcilers, then we get to be called the sons and daughters of God. If there are, now I'm going to, Hit this home and maybe make you uncomfortable, which maybe you're uncomfortable anyway. If there are situations in your life where there is no peace, if there are people in your life where there is injury and and fracture and harm, if there are people that you have not spoken to or at with, I can't even read what I wrote, or are at odds with, and it's within your power you are to make peace. If you have mutuals that are at odds, then you are to be a peacemaker, not a gossip. We are to make peace. Sometimes we keep peace, but oftentimes we have to make peace. We have to be the instigators of peace. Proverbs 16, 7 says, When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him. Romans 12, 17 through 19 says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written... It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Proverbs 25, 21, and 22 says, If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Now, some of us like the sound of that. You know what, if, I'll, if I'm nice to them, their head's going to catch on fire? <laughs> Woohoo! All right, I'll be nice, God, if, you'll, if they'll wake up in the middle of the night with their hair ablaze, with burning coals on their head. I think we've misunderstood what is being said to us there. Paul also mentions this in Romans 17th chapter when he says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In those times, they kept warm uh, they kept warm and cooked with burning coals. And when you ran out of coals, you had to borrow from your neighbors. And you would put them in a pan that would conceal them, made of iron. And oftentimes you would carry heavy things on your head. So when you heap, when you're nice to your enemies, it's not so that they will hopefully someday burn. It is because you want them to be warm and to have bread. Bread. We are called to be like Jesus, right? We are called to be the sons and daughters of God. And it is when we are peacemakers and when we live our lives this way that then we actually begin to reflect God our Father. When we live our lives as peacemakers, we actually begin to reflect God our Father. Okay. And we don't just give them coals. We give them the burning ones so that when they go back, they can use them immediately. To bake their bread. We heap burning coals. And I believe the burning coals are also symbolic of the fire that is God. God calls himself a consuming fire. And when we keep the peace and when we are kind to even our enemies. The consuming fire of God will fall on their head. Not to burn them up but to purify them. And to bring them to himself. Because our enemies, or the people that we have issue with, are also sons and daughters of God. They are also image bearers of God. We're called to make peace with even our enemies, which is so upside down from what the world teaches. That's why the kingdom of God is not anything like what the world teaches, It's not. And that's why Jesus says, narrow is the way, and few there be that find it. Do you know very many people that live this way? I'm just going to ask you. Do you know very many people that live this way, the way I've just been describing, a peacemaker, some people who are kind to even their enemies? Do you know very many people that live this way? Why? Why is that? Because narrow is the gate, and very few people find it. Because if you, if you think I'm taking that Matthew 7 out of context, go and read it. Jesus gives us the golden rule, and then he says, narrow is the way, and few there be that find it. He's talking about in Matthew seven. He's talking about judging others, and then he's talking about doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. And then he immediately after he says that he goes into because narrow is the way, but that leads to life, and few there be that find it. Peacekeeping is the way that leads to life, because the other way, everybody else is on that the broad road. Many there be that find it, most find it. And as followers of Jesus, we are called to be different. But so often we think that means we just pull ourselves aside and we, we don't uh, talk to sinners. Or we don't, you know, we don't do this, we, don't, we, we have our list of don'ts. That's not what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 7. He's talking about how we treat one another and how we interact with the world. Broad is the way that leads to death. That leads to revenge and vengeance being mine. Everybody's doing it that way. But narrows the way that leads to life. Do you want to be like Jesus? And be a peacemaker. That's Matthew 7, 13 and 14. If you want to read it, and here's exactly what it says. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there be many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. The life of a peacemaker is not always easy. And you will not always be successful in your peacemaking. Because here's the truth. There are people in this world who don't want to be at peace with you. There are people in this world who don't want to be at peace with me. You know people like this. You know anybody that is not happy unless they're mad. Right? Some people are not happy unless they're upset with somebody. Unless they have a villain. I've seen it. I know people. They only really come alive when there's a villain. There's a guy that I went to high school with and he he was something else. But we were at McDonald's one time, and he, that's where he worked, and I wasn't being a peacemaker. I told him about a villain, a shared villain, and he became alive. Crystal remembers, she was there. <laughs> he became alive, and he pulled something out of his toolbox and took some courage. And he, he woke up when he had a villain, Right? There are people like that. There are some people who only become alive, who only feel alive when they have an enemy, when they have a villain. They're only happy when they're mad. You know people like that. I know people like that. So in peacemaking, while you're a peacemaker, you will be, uh, you will be persecuted. You will be spoken evil of. Look at the rest of what... Uh, Matthew 5, 9 through 12. I don't have it back there, but I'm going to read it to you. It says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven for the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus talks about being a peacemaker, and he goes right into, you're going to be insulted and you're going to be persecuted. Everybody doesn't want peace, but it is the Jesus way. So as you become a peacemaker and as you strive to be like Jesus and strive to make peace, just understand you're going to fail sometimes. That's why the Apostle Paul says, "As as as much as it lies within you, live at peace with everybody. What's he saying there? Do everything you can live at peace. You might call somebody and say, I want to apologize for what I said, or I want to apologize for the way things would be, and they may say, do not ever call me again. Click. But you still did what you could, right? And then in the future when, that, when they come up or you find out that they need something, then you fill that need. Don't call them. They told you don't call me again. <laughs> but you can fill that need. You're called to be a peacemaker, even unto your enemies. And by being a peacemaker, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to be persecuted. People are going to mock you, make fun of you. Blessed are you when you're persecuted, when people insult you and say all kinds of evil against you because of me. So Jesus Jesus says, because of me, because you're doing what I say. And what did he say? He said, be a peacemaker. Rejoice and be glad, because if you live your life like the verse... uh, if you live your life like verses 1 through 9 of Matthew 5, if you live your life the way of the Beatitudes, you will be persecuted. If you live your life the, the way of the kingdom of God, you will be persecuted. So why is it important to be a peacemaker? I mean, I'm, I'm actually getting pretty close to the end of my notes. Congratulations, y'all. Why is it important to be a peacemaker, number one? Because Jesus tells us to. Number two, because we'll get to be called the children of God. Number three, our life will be immeasurably, immeasurably I just keep making up words, immeasurably, oh, and I tried it again, less stressful if we, are, uh, if we aren't constantly keeping score. And number four, because creation is waiting on us. Creation is waiting on us. Go back to Romans 8, uh, 18 and 19, if you will, Chris. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed, or for the manifestations of the sons of God. Creation is waiting on us. King James talks about the creation groaning. Creation groans for the manifestations of the Son of God. We are waiting on God. They are waiting on us. We are waiting on God. Jesus is going to come back, right, and make things right. Yes, we are waiting on God. They are waiting on us to be the sons and daughters of God that he has called us to be. They're waiting on us to live out this kingdom that Jesus called us to. We're waiting on God. Yes, we are waiting on God, but they are groaning in eager expectation of the manifestation of the sons and the daughters of God. And when do we get to be called sons and daughters of God? When we're peacemakers. When we start to resemble our Father, Jesus at one point says, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Well, that's also in the Beatitudes. If we can get this teaching, this preaching that Jesus is giving us in Matthew, the fifth chapter, then we will be the answer to their groanings. We will be the answer to their prayers. We will begin to resemble Jesus. I sent Chris a picture. My son's probably going to kill me, so I'm not going to look at him right now. On the left is the father. And on the right is the son. And he resemb- and he probably doesn't want like this. But he resembles the father. Right? And if we let our hair grow, that's what happens. <laughs> and I don't know who told either one of us that it was a good idea. <laughs> All right, you can take that down. I don't want to look at it anymore. I don't mind looking at miles. I don't want to see. (laughs) Creation is waiting on us to resemble our father. Creation is waiting on us to really be the sons and daughters of God. Creation is waiting on us to be the poor in spirit, to mourn with those who mourn. It's waiting on us to be meek and humble. Creation is is waiting on us to hunger and thirst for justice. Creation is waiting on us to be merciful. They're waiting on us to have pure hearts. They're waiting on us to be peacemakers. Creation has eager expectations for the sons and daughters of God to step Into who they are called to be. And you and I are called to follow after Jesus. Who came humbly. Who wept with us. He was meek. He hungered and thirsted for justice for all. He extended mercy. He was pure in heart. He was a peacemaker. He suffered well. It is not time, church, for us to ramp up the culture wars and try to take our country back. It's not time for us to fight and demand and make demands about our rights. It is time for us to live like Jesus. It's time to live as he lived, time to take his words seriously. See, we think we have to fight the world, but he said, I have overcome the world. That's not our fight. It's my job to look like Him. Oh, you're just making that up. Go to 1 John 2, 3, and 6. We know that if we have come to know Him, we keep His commands. Whose commands? Jesus' commands. What are His commands? Be a peacemaker. Be merciful. Be humble. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not do what He commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys His word, love for God is truly made complete in them, Then here's the clincher. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. If you really know God, you will live like he lived. You won't just take his teachings and just... Say a prayer one time and think, okay, yes, you are the son of God. You're my ticket to heaven. Um, No, no. To be a follower of Jesus is to live your life the way he lived his life. Why do we get so much about the way he lived? If it was just about uh, his death, resurrection, uh, and ascension, then that's all we would have got. But we got a whole lot more information. Yes, don't mishear me. His death and his resurrection and his ascension and his coming again are Critical key points to why he came, but he also came to show us how to live. But we don't want to live like him. We don't. I don't want to be kind to people who aren't kind to me. I don't. Because I'm not yet like Jesus, like I should be. It's not easy being a follower of Jesus. It's not. It is not. It is not just some pie in the sky mental assertion to something a preacher told you one time. It is a daily uh, denying yourself, taking up your cross, doing what's best for others, over and above what's best for you. Nobody, you wouldn't, if I came to you and tried to sell you on that, that's why I have a hard time with easy believism when people are quick to come to Jesus. Jesus is like, ho, ho, ho you need to think this through. No, no country goes to war without first sitting down and thinking, thinking it through. Nobody goes to build a house without first sitting down and thinking, do I have enough to finish this project? Following Jesus is the most rewarding life that you will ever live, but it is not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. It requires things like loving your enemies, which nobody wants to do. But, we want to live like Jesus, right? I do. It doesn't mean I do it all the time. It doesn't mean I'm perfect. It doesn't mean uh, when somebody cuts me off in traffic, my first instinct isn't something else. When somebody says something to me at work, my first instinct isn't something else. But the instinct that I act upon should be the Jesus way. Amen. Amen. I didn't know this was going to be so, I don't know, I felt myself doing this a lot. This is what I should, this is what I mean to be doing. This is what I'm really doing. So Bradley, you need to live like Jesus. You need to become like Jesus. You need to start to finally uh, resemble your father, which is in heaven. So many of us, when we tell people that we're Christians, we're like, hmm, huh? Huh? You follow Jesus? <laughs> you don't look anything like him. <laughs> I've read the Bible. You don't act anything like are you sure you're a Christian. A lot of churches don't look or act anything like Jesus. A lot of Christians don't act anything like Jesus. I want to resemble Jesus. Amen. Do you want to resemble Jesus even though it's the hard way? Cuz it is the harder road. It is the narrower road. It isn't the easy path. The easy path is just to let your emotions rule you. And when somebody hurts you, you just hurt them back or hurt them worse, right? You one-up them. That's not the Jesus way. I want to live like Jesus. We've been going through the Beatitudes. Go back today or sometime this week and read them again. And really make it your prayer. God, help me to live this out. I was challenged this past week. Uh, I preached on being pure in heart last week. I was challenged this week. On many different occasions where I could hear the Holy Spirit saying, are you being pure in heart? Are you sure that's being pure in heart? So I pray that you're challenged this week. And I I dare you to, to go to someone who you're not at peace with dare you to go to someone you're not at peace with and be the bigger person and say you're sorry even when you probably think you have no reason to say it be the bigger person and make peace and you might be rejected you might be scorned you might be laughed at but at least you will have done everything you can but you might just make peace So I challenge you this week, and if, and if you are just as pure as the driven snow and have no aught in your heart against anybody, and you know, but you know of good friends who are at aught, don't be a gossip and don't be a talebearer. but try to bridge that gap. I challenge you this week. Being a peacemaker is not easy, but it's what we're called to do. It's part of living the blessed life. Not your best life, I said, the blessed life there's a difference. Our best life, none of us would have jobs and we'd just get free food and free everything, right? Okay. This isn't really a, a run to Jesus message. It's more of a, God, open our eyes to be peacemakers. Open our eyes to resemble you, to reflect you. I meant to have somebody give a testimony at the beginning of, Service, something they told me, they, uh, but we're about to go into communion. I'm going to actually ask her to come do that now because I believe that when we take communion, it is not just the juice and crackers. I believe that the presence of Jesus Christ is present with us. I believe that. I believe that he is present. He told us to, uh, to take the bread and to take the cup. And to do it in remembrance of him. And I believe that supernatural things can happen. I believe that you can be healed in that moment. I mean, I truly believe that. I believe that you can be emotionally healed. I believe that you can be physically healed. I've heard testimonies of those very things happen. So I'm going to ask this person, something happened to them during communion last week. And I asked them to give a testimony about
1: it. I told pastor about what happened to me during communion last week and he asked me to share it with you. All of my life I have been taught about communion and its importance and to be reverent during it and I think I've always tried to do that except one time when I was five years old and I played with the leftover communion and I got spanked afterward. not because I guess not really because I played with the communion, but I was asked if I had, and I said no, and I had purple all over my mouth, <laughs> so I got spanked for lying. But but all of that said, I, I have preached about what it means. I have taught about what um, the blood and the bread represents, and. It has always meant a lot to me. But something happened to me last week when I was receiving the emblems which represent the body and the blood of Jesus. But to us, it literally is. It it needs to be to us the body and blood of Christ. And um, Jesus told us to do this in remembrance of him. And I don't know if it's because last week Pastor preached on having a pure heart and, and that touched my heart. But as I was receiving the communion, I'm 76 years old and I don't know how many times in my life I've received communion. But last Sunday, I did it in remembrance of him. As I never had before. And I felt his presence. I remembered what he did for me. And I remembered it as I never had before. And it's very difficult to explain something that you experience. But it was a powerful feeling. As this pastor said, it was the presence of Jesus. And when you receive communion, if you do it in remembrance of him and the price he paid with his blood and with his body, his presence will surround you. Hallelujah. Thank you.